Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Rebels Rebels. Thanks for tuning in. Just Thank a you. quick note. Super quick. Yes, yeah, super quick note. We booked this room in like a cool little studio to record this podcast. Mm-hmm. Little did we know that next door there's a big old choir practicing with a piano. So some of that sound might have bled through. We promised the quality the qualities. Still pretty good, but for about half of the episode, you might hear hints of an angelic choir. Or or maybe there are voices in your head. Yeah, or maybe it's just angels shining down on us because our podcast is so good. Maybe you've died and gone to heaven. Ever thought about that? Everybody and welcome to Rebels Rebels, the show where we explore the Star Wars expanded universe through an analysis of the animated series Star Wars Rebels. I am Peter, aka Imperial Security Bureau Agent ISB 021 Peter Callis, and he's Mike, the hairless Wookiee. How Ooh, you doing, Mike? Sick burn dog. Okay. I'm not bad. Not bad. Excited to do this uh, little podcast here. Um, yeah, so here's a quick snapshot of what the show is all about and what we've got planned for you. So to celebrate the upcoming conclusion of Star Wars Rebels, we've decided to binge the entirety of the series. Um, yeah, so we will be releasing companion podcast for each episode of the show Star Wars Rebels and dump them in chunks. So this is a new podcast, a new concept. We're just trying things out. But the plan, as it stands right now, is we are going to... Do a bunch of episodes and just throw them out there in big chunks. It might be full seasons, might be half a season. We haven't figured it out. But that way you can kind of go back through the entirety of Rebels and listen to our podcast as you go through each episode in a bingeable fashion. That's right. So each episode we will be dealing with one of the episodes from Star Wars Rebels. So as we go through each episode, we will we'll make some pit stops and some hyperspace jumps to other works of art in the new Lucasfilm canon. So No legends. Get out of here. Yeah, RIP the good stuff. Uh, we will try to do our... Debatable. Yeah. Well, we're going to be doing our best to be careful as possible to not spoil major plot points or discuss theories that we've read on the internet. But our discussions will include any published movies, books, or comics under the Lucasfilm banner. And before we get started, please, please, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a ton, especially for a new show like ours. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook by searching Rebels Rebels Pod, all one word, or email us at rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com. So you ready to dive in? Let's do it. Episode one, Spark of the Rebellion. This is a two-part episode, and we have different... We've watched different versions of this episode. I mean, different versions by 15 seconds. Yeah, so I watched the right version. I watched the version that's aired on TV and is now available on Disney XD, on demand. And conversely, I watched the right episode, (laughs) which I purchased on Blu-ray. And you did not have, so I had to tell you about this opening scene. Yeah, I had no idea what you were talking about when you put this in the show notes. Yeah, so the first 15 seconds begin and a Star Destroyer flies overhead, kind of a la 
a New Hope intro where you see the first thing you see is a Star Destroyer. So I like that. I like that the yeah. first thing we see in Rebels is a Star Destroyer. It's hearkening back to the source, the ultimate source material. Yeah, and I've seen it since. It's a really cool shot. It is, and I, I like that it's there. And then the next thing we see, which you may not like as much, is we see Vader's face in a hollow projection. You're right. I don't like it. We'll talk about it in a second. Why? But continue. Yeah, okay. Well, I like it. So we see Vader's face, and he's talking to a mysterious figure, and uh-huh. Vader says that the knights are all but destroyed. The Jedi knights are all but destroyed, and yet your task is not complete, Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. So he's talking to, the sinister agent he's talking to is the Inquisitor, and I should be mm-hmm. clear, it is the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, so I, when the first time, if you watch the TV cut, the first time you see the Inquisitor is... The end of part two. So you get through the whole little, they build it as a movie, like a premiere movie. You get to the end and you see this new character, super creepy, bald dude. Character I really like, but it left you on a hang, like a like a cliffhanger saying, who's that guy? What's going on? And so I feel like if you put that in the front, it loses some of that luster. I... First of all, I'm not familiar with that word. And second You're of all... You're not familiar with the word luster? <laughs> <laughs> luster. Yeah, it's like Can a new car. A, a new car has... Look at look at that new car's luster. <laughs> I've never said that. Have you ever said, look at that new car's luster? Yeah, I say it all the time. All right. I, We're in a beautiful I, I, room right now. Look at that guitar's luster. I pride myself on knowing some words. Uh, some words. Um, so, okay, anyways, we meet the Inquisitor. Yeah. And his mission, Vader tells him, is to destroy, and I love this line, the children of the Force. The Emperor has foreseen a new threat rising against him. The children of the Force. They must not become Jedi. And it's interesting that Vader notes that the children of the Force will have two choices. They can either be destroyed or they can join the Empire. So he tells the Inquisitor that you can either you know, wipe him out or pull him over to the Empire. Sign side. him up. Or sign him up. Yep. All right. So <clears throat> we'll discuss the Inquisitor a little bit more at the end of part two and the rest of the season. That is what I call a tease. That's a new word for me too. <laughs> oh, I know you know that word. <laughs> so the implications of that are very weird. <laughs> this is the... So next we go to where the actual TV cut opens. If you just flip it on, you see a large expansive plane and then this big jetting tower, which I think is really cool. Looks kind of like just like flat land like Kansas and the Space Needle just right in the middle. And evidently Ezra Bridger lives there by himself. Yeah, in the, in the Lothal Netcom Tower E272, by oh, the way. Interesting. That's what it's called. Yeah. I did a little bit of research on Lothal, and I guess this is a pretty distinctive part of Lotholian architecture. Yeah, I'll allow yeah. it. That's a word. Right. That's yep. probably a word. Yep. Um, I guess they really like making these towers all over the place. I think they're pretty cool. It's Comnet, so it's basically an AT&T tower. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like an old school fire watch where like, someone just sits up there <laughs> and looks out for fires. Maybe. I'm just trying to sell a couple of yogans here. All trade must be registered with the Empire. I remember what it was like before your ships showed up. Before you Imperials ruined Lotho like the rest of the galaxy. We see two 
two Imperial officers, Commandant Eresco and Taskmaster Grint, and they're harassing a Jogan vendor. Jogan is a type of fruit, and his name is Yofar. And Yofar, I gotta, I gotta jump in here, is being harassed by two Imperial officers. Uh-huh. One of them, a larger gentleman. I'm gonna argue that that can't oh, be no. regulation oh, no. weight. Uh, that fat I, shaming. I'm not fat shaming. Fat shaming. But I am going to say I don't believe the Empire is as progressive as we are. In fact, I don't think they are at all. Well, isn't I? I remember. I don't know the source of this, but doesn't the Emperor hate aliens? Yeah, I remember hearing that. And like, that's, that's why you why don't. All people are human. Yeah, that's why all the officers and everyone working are all human. He, he the Emperor's races against aliens and. Maybe Speciesist. generally speaking, racist against fat people. You can't be racist against fat people, but... Body typist. Yep. I don't know. I, I mean, we know the rebels are cool with it. R.I.P. Pork, porkins, <laughs> jet porkins. Yep. But um, I don't know, man. I just feel like the Empire, everyone looks like a, a twig. Everyone basically looks like Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Very, very thin white male. Yeah, so Thinny and Fatty are harassing wow. this godal How the tables merchant. Are <laughs> I could say that. I'm a, I'm a bit of a Zoftig fellow. Um, so Oresco says he's harassing this merchant. This merchant talks back to him, says, I remember before the Empire came in. And he, I don't know what accent that was. I don't know either. I was going to ask you what, what country or state uh, that was. It's a Gotal accent. Um, and he says, that's right. I'm bringing you in for treason because you talked back to me. Which is a fair, is seems like a fair jump. All right, let's let's get into uh, let's get into this guy Yofar. Yeah, so he's a Gotal. Um, Basically, it looks like Mister Tumnus from Lion the Witch uh, and the Wardrobe. So there's something when I was I was researching Gotals, and I saw something As interesting. I won't. Yeah. To do. <laughs> yeah. Um, their most, according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia, mm-hmm. their most distinctive feature is twin canonical horns growing on the top of their heads which act as highly responsive electromagnetic sensors. Why does a goat need electromagnetic sensors on its head? I'm thinking if he needs to jumpstart someone's car, (laughs) you attach, you can attach to the engine and to his horns. I've got to imagine it's some sort of clone wars like plot point, but who knows? I I couldn't figure it out. I know uh, this race, this goat race, I mean, and come on, it's a race that looks like goats and they're called goatles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's low-hanging fruit if yeah. I've ever heard of it. Uh, Wikipedia also said that they shed easily. <laughs> I could see that. You don't need to put that in there, but I could see yeah. that. You don't well, like, to... I'm just imagining having your friend over. You're, you have a goatal friend and you have to like, like if, oh, complain oh. after they leave. Like, oh, God. Oh, Tim sat on the couch <sighs> again. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Well, so the the Jogans, there's not a lot interesting there, but I think they look gross. I think they look like red onions. They look like durian fruit, which is basically a fruit that smells like fart and propane (laughs) in the southeast of Asia. Yeah, they're disgusting. Yeah, it's it's bad. Okay, so we see Ezra swipe this officer's communicator, and then he he like does a little silly bit where he impersonates an imperial officer and 
you know, he's calling like, oh, we've got a code red over here and like gets everyone to, uh, you know, run the other way. Yeah. Well, he pulls a fast one on him. Interesting. People call him a Lothrat. This is like slum kids are called Lothrats. Yeah, instead it of comes up rats. a couple times. Move along, Lothrat. And it does. And actually, yeah, and people call each other Lothrats and it's like this slang term that means like slum kids and it makes me think of Aladdin and yeah. uh, Ezra looks quite a bit like Aladdin and I've seen actually <laughs> memes all over the internet of That's Ezra's face and Aladdin's face and you know all these interesting and there are a lot of you know fairly poignant parallels mm-hmm. between the two um, like they're both Jedi <laughs> and think about it how does Aladdin get the carpet to fly so that is just a force trick so is Freddie Prince Jr. his genie? I like that. Well, let's, let's keep an eye out for that. Okay. We'll, we'll find more more references to his genie dumb as we go through. I'm gonna have to keep tabs on all the uh, yeah. all the parallels between Aladdin and Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. So after Ezra calls the fake code red, he goes up onto the rooftop to watch all of the Imperials freak out. And he sees them standing around a bunch of crates with some, some uh, troopers and they're confused about who called the code red while he's looking at them. He gets a weird feeling and the first, the first force feeling yep. of the show rebels. Yep. Well, not the first, I don't want to get too deep, but there were those little three-minute videos that came out before each episode. Well, also Darth Vader was in the beginning, according to you, so there's some force there. Well, I mean, the first time Ezra uses the force. Because in one of those little yeah. short videos that was called Ezra's Property, uh-huh. where he like steals some stuff from a, tie, a down TIE fighter pilot, he's like walking away and he like gets this, you know, this force sense that he's about to be shot out, shot at and like dodges and rolls away. Yeah. That's about the only interesting thing, thing that yeah. happened in that. So this is the second time. You saying time. stealing reminded me, doesn't he like take a bunch of the Jogan fruit from Yofar and say something like, well, a kid's got to eat. Yeah. I feel like that's straight so up from Aladdin. I don't know. I was waiting for a poo to jump up. And yeah. Like, <laughs> and him like cut the cantaloupe in half. Okay. The cantaloupe looks so good when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. I don't even like cantaloupe, uh. but I would eat the fudge out of <laughs> Aladdin's cantaloupe. <laughs> it's a weird cantaloupe if it's got fudge in it. That's why I want it. Yeah. All right. So um, he has a weird force feeling, turns around and sees a weird ponytail of the Sot and a Mandalorian. Um, and they are acting all suspicious around the crates and they attack. Well, okay. So before they attack, I just want to talk about this part really fast. Ezra's watching them and he's like kind of doing a little a little espionage a little spy work up on the rooftops and he's like he sees something mysterious going on and what it is is Kanan is walking around and every time he walks up to a member of you know who we're going to meet who's the, yeah. the ghost team or the specters mm-hmm. also known as the Lothal rebels he like pats his leg twice he goes like mm-hmm. and like pats his leg and like that's the cue for like oh it's time to go and i think it's like the lamest cue ever <laughs> Like, it's not sly. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It, it really annoys There's me. There's like a wide shot, too, where the way that it looks when he's walking around and patting his leg, it looks like 
they're being kind of sneaky, but the wide shot makes it look very clear that they're all standing very close to each yeah. other. <laughs> and they're just looking, and they're not even like well hidden. Yeah. They're just like they're all facing walls, and it's, they almost look more obvious than if they were just like hanging out talking. Yeah. A couple of things that struck me. First of all, Kanan turns around because he's like, he's got his back to the camera and really showing off his ponytail, and he turns around, and spoiler alert, I was genuinely surprised to not see him blind because I'm watching the new ones now and I'm so used to seeing the little face guard or his blindness that it was actually kind of crazy to see him sighted. Yeah. An an abled body man. (laughs) I know. Uh, The other thing is I don't recognize these speeder uh, bike troopers. I actually did a lot of research to try to figure out what kind of troopers they were. And the closest I can get is Ezra steals a helmet like that from a cadet at one point. So maybe these are all like speeder bike cadets, but that seems odd. In my mind, what is happening is, since this is a little bit before New Hope, yeah, this is, we're roughly a a few years away from the events of A New Hope, is what I think is happening is they're trying to take everything that's in A New Hope and like, make it a generation before like this was the helmet that led to the invention of like the upgraded helmet. Like this is the iPhone six and the iPhone seven. I could see that, but also in this episode, there are just standard stormtroopers who look straight up. Yeah. They look just like the ones from a new hope. So maybe there's like a transition period. Like they were the ones on the bikes or the V one. These could be Lothal specific helmets. Yeah. We should look into that. Well, I tried. I couldn't find anything. So if you have any answers, hit us up on a social media or email us because I have no idea. So the but ne- actually, this brings up a good point. This is one of the reasons why I'm a little bit peeved at Rogue One mm. um, and a little bit Talk Force Awakens, it. but I like Force Awakens more mm. is mm. I mm-hmm. like that they're doing something new. Mm-hmm. But I don't like how they have to put all these new troopers mm-hmm. and all these new ships, mm-hmm. shove them into original trilogy Mm -hmm. eras. It would make sense if there's new stuff in force awakens because it's the future, Mm. but like rogue one had so many new ships and so many new types of stormtroopers. Like where were they during a new hope? Like all of a sudden there's a new U boat, like U ship that the rebels have that we didn't see in any of the fights in the original trilogy. Well, or the to black be, like death troopers. To like, be fair, in A New Hope, we only we see there's probably other wars going on. We're seeing like just the battle at Yavin, the space battle. Yeah, and those are just. I mean, it's a minor gripe. Also, I didn't realize this until later. The walkers on the in the last fight in Rogue One on Scarif, they're different walkers than the ones on on Hoth. Yes. They're bigger. And, they ho- look, and hollow in the center. Yeah, but they look almost exactly the same. They're Again, just I think it's supposed to be a, the another example of this is the model before that model. Yeah, maybe. I think they just want to sell toys. That is, it's at, you're absolutely right. That yeah. is why. But I think if they had to explain it in universe, they yeah. would say, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, we're off on a tangent, but... I really like that this little ambush thing is followed shortly with Sabine committing a murder with a grenade. The first, yeah. the first murder of the show, there's, Sabine. There's like a good amount of murder in this care. show that's like a kid show. No, she doesn't care. Nope. Throws a grenade at this at this speeder bike trooper. 
Yeah, I think the argument was always like back in the day, you didn't know who was underneath like the stormtrooper helmets. Like they could have been robots, so you can just kill as many also, of them I as assumed, you want. I assumed it never died. I assumed like their suits did something, like they just got stunned or I yeah. don't know. I never considered it. But now in the new canon, it's become very clear that there are people underneath there. Oh, yeah. So they're just killing these people. Oh, yeah. This is straight murder. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's you do crazy things in war, man. Yep. Well, so she blows this dude up and causes a distraction, which murder would do, and everyone's in frenzy. And then the rebels, the Lothal rebels, steal these crates. And they go on a... Chase and Ezra steals the crates from the rebels. Yeah, and uh, there's a really funny shot where Ezra just backs. Yeah, just, speaking of murder, he just backs over this trooper, like runs him over with his car. I know that was just brutal. Yeah, he gets up though, so it's clear that that person wasn't murdered, but he's probably just injured for the rest of his life yeah and I, I put a note here but yeah those speeder bike troopers helmets are the weirdest looking helmets i've ever seen <laughs> in the uni- in like in the star wars universe yeah. if you look at them yeah they remind me of something <laughs> they're kind of mushroom shaped <laughs> and that's all i'll say and they're just so weird yeah um but so the this chase happens right this this yeah. big chasing starts off the show and they're being pursued by tie fighters uh-huh um, the gang, the ghost team kind of splits up and they go after him, right? They go after, uh, they go after Ezra Yep. and Zeb, AKA Garazeb Aurelius. Yeah. Is that right. how you say that? Yeah. It's Garazeb Aurelius. Aurelius. Yeah. Aurelius. Yeah. And, uh, on his speeder bike, he's using this thing called an AB7 bow rifle and it looks similar, but different to the electro staffs. It's which, dope. Yeah, which the it reminds me of the Emperor's Royal Guards, those guards who are all in red, yeah. right? The staffs they kind of carry, but it's not. It's a bow rifle. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. And actually, if you've played uh, Star Wars Battlefront, the newest one, the 2015, 2014 edition, uh-huh. um, you can, I think you use a, you can use a bow rifle. It's like one of the more huh. rare guns. Interesting. Yeah. I always, I thought like, especially since it has that weird wrap on it, kind of like a medical bandage, I thought it was kind of like a hack together. Like maybe they took one of those Imperial Guard electro staffs and put it on a shotgun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little bit weird. It's basically the equivalent to a Civil War gun with a sword on the end. Yeah. Right. It's kind of this multi-purpose thing. So then the TIE fighter swoops in and it corners Ezra. And right. And Ezra, after this whole chase scene. Ezra is kind of trapped. Oh, no. He's kind of on, like, this bridge so he can't escape. The TIE fighter's coming, and then all of a sudden, in swoops the ghost. And we get our first shot of the iconic ghost. Yeah. And it destroys the TIE fighter in one shot. Yeah, and this is this is a minor, minor thing, but I love this. I remember, so I actually... I'm, I'm very important, so you know I got a sneak peek of this mm-hmm. show this before it came out, um, and so I was watching it with my friend Victor, and I think I like grabbed his leg when that happened. It's such <laughs> a small detail, but the explosion is really weak looking. It looks like an old school firecracker, and it reminds me so much of the '70s movie. Yeah, like it looks like George Lucas and his team sitting in a weird mm-hmm. warehouse or garage, just making this like 
explode this effect up and it looks kind of cheap but in a cool way and i could tell i said i saw some behind the scenes like interviews and stuff and they took so much pain to make sure like the blaster bolts and the lightsabers which we'll get to later and the explosions really mirror the original trilogy era so Mm -hmm. there's kind of like the bright shiny prequel stuff with the big special effects and then it's a lot more muted and dimmed and like that was a moment where i was like this show's for real like yeah i'm into it because i just you could tell that the people making it care yeah yeah so i love it so the ghost is pursued by additional tie fighters that swoop in and ezra is coaxed onto the ghost the ship by canon do you say canon or canon i say canon yeah i go i say both just I think it. in the show they say Kanan. They do. It's, it's Leah and Leia <laughs> hey, for me. You do you. It's whatever I want sometimes. Right. So Kanan kind of tells Ezra, like, you can, hey, join us, kid. And yeah. he already has some feelings about him, right? He's already said, like, who is this kid? Yeah. So he tells Ezra to jump on to the ghost. And I know you said that you don't understand the technology behind the crates. Yeah. So I get that they float. Yes. And I get like, I think I feel like they should hover like two or three inches off the ground to make it easy for pushing, which is awesome technology. But he just kind of like pushes it harder and it goes all the way up to a spaceship. Yeah. So cop out the force. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. Because we've seen this. This isn't new technology, right? In In Empire Strikes Back, we see Han Solo's kryptonite case. Carbonite. Being carbonite, kryptonite. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. tomatoes, tomatoes. Uh, being pushed, right, yep. by... Um, who on Bespin was pushing him? I know Boba uh, Fett was walking next to it. Yeah, I think it was just a bunch of stormtroopers. Yeah, and just a bunch of stormtroopers. So it's not yeah. new technology, but it is weird technology Yeah, that I could use in my daily life. I think it's cool. I think my, my objection is just the fact that it goes from hovering like four inches off the ground to hovering 30 feet off the ground. Well, if it's really, you're going to question that and not how a Star Destroyer floats in the atmosphere? Well, yeah, because it can fly. Those are, that's got to be similar technology. How, but, but it's not flying. It's just hovering at one point. It's like helicoptering above a city. What is that technology? That's technology that I want. The Force. That's the Force. Maybe the, right, the, so, em, the Emperor is just holding all the stars, <laughs> Star Destroyers in the universe. So yeah. the like, that's why everything <laughs> fell apart when he died. <laughs> That would be awesome. Because <laughs> none of the Star Destroyers like, could fly. It'd be fly. like Lord of the Rings. All of a sudden, everything would just drop out. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay, so the ghost escapes with Ezra on board, and now we are aboard the ghost. Yep. And we meet the crew. A Twi'lek, a C1 series astromech droid. Yeah, and uh, we already met Kanan, but I actually I watched this with my wife because she's, she's not a huge Star Wars fan, but she'll watch it with me. And I thought she could give me a good perspective. Literally, the only note she gave was, hmm, Freddie Prince Jr. has a sexy voice. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree. I've always found his voice a bit jarring, to be honest. Um, that being said, I love it. Yeah, I so love it. we meet uh, we meet um, Kanan and Hera. Yep. Hera is a Twi'lek. Yep. Kanan is a human. And I get the impression right away that they have a romantic relationship. And I wasn't yeah. sure when I first watched this how to perceive that. But she calls him love. And I'm not sure if that's like English slang kind of thing or like a romantic thing. But 
they seem close. Yeah, I think this is a blind spot for both of us, but there is a book, New EU, so it is within our jurisdiction, but there is a book about Canon and Hera before they join the ghost and do all their rubbling. So maybe that's something we need to look into because I'm sure it dives into the relationship. Because just thinking about episode one, I'm confused about this relationship. Yeah. All right. I've always thought it was a little romantic. Maybe like... They're romantic, but they can't be Yeah, together. like in the workplace. Like, they don't want to do the it's paperwork for it. It's a forbidden love. <laughs> yeah. like they, they don't want to go to HR. Yeah, They're yeah. like, you know what? I don't think the work. rebellion is that uh, that strict. I think, the, I, think HR, I think the rebellion has a Toby Flunderson. <laughs> he's, he's somewhere. Yeah, Linda in HR. <laughs> um, okay, so then the next thing. So we meet, you know, our characters to be. And we're going to go through them more. Um, we're going to do kind of deeper dives on them yep. later. So... Um, one of the next shots we get this classic shot of a TIE fighter pilot in his cockpit yep. shooting. And again, that's one of those classic star Wars shots of yep. a pilot in their cockpit. And it was really a way to approach flying from a low budget point of view that really <laughs> stuck though. Right? Yeah. And I love that they still use that. I know um, it's so a new hope though. It's, yeah. it's the same category as that explosion. I love it. Totally. shot. Yeah. And even, but it's interesting in, in rogue one, you know, that's the newest Star Wars film we have to reference right uh-huh. now. They're still using those shots. They even used unused shots from A New Hope yep. of stuff. And I love it. I think it's great. Um, and then right away, Ezra and Zeb start arguing in the cargo hold. And we can tell this is going to be a, a love-hate a relationship. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, we got the... Uh, Ezra says Zeb smells. The classic Dwight and Jim. Yeah. Office relationship. Oh. I'm watching a lot of Office right now, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's why I'm reference so it a couple <laughs> times. I've it so many times. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, we find out what the crates contain, and these are E11 or E11 blasters, which is my favorite weapon in Star Wars Battlefront. Huh. Real trust, real trusty. Yeah, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the standard rifle you see stormtroopers. It's the gun that won the West. Oh, yep. it really is. Yep. Um, and uh, Ezra makes a comment that Zeb smells. So what does Zeb do? Well, logical consequence. He locks Ezra in a container. Yep. And, uh, I hate this, Ezra escapes through an air vent. Very diehard. Very everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything ever. Yeah. To all villains everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I thought like, it's kind of weird that, uh, Sabine is still in her helmet through this whole thing as we crawls through the crawl space, the air vents and lands in a gunner turret where Sabine is about to shoot some people. And then she like takes off the helmet, like dramatically almost to be like, look, it's a girl. Sexy reveal. Girls can shoot things and yeah. blow people up I with grenades like too. A sixties commercial. Yeah. Like, you've got a baby. Yeah, and then Ezra instantly flirts with her, which is... Yeah. Hey. Come on, dude. Hey, don't hate. But I do love that Ezra has this moment where he realizes he's in space, mm-hmm. and he's mind-blown. I'm... I'm in space! Because no one in the Star Wars universe is ever mind blown that they're in space. Not even Luke Skywalker in A New Hope. His first time in space, where you see him in space. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know. Yeah, you would think Luke would be a little bit more struck. 
I think this is a cool, it's, it's very telling of Ezra's character too. Like very like never left capital city, always been on Lothal, never been to space, never been to another planet. I mean, he's very Aladdin-esque. In in a lot of ways, he is, well, he is Luke's contemporary and his, and he's a parallel Mm -hmm. of Luke in a lot of ways. Hmm. That's why I think he's Snoke. I won't get into that. Uh, I'm just going to tell you that I think he's Snoke. Interesting. Well, I'll get into that more later. Maybe. Yeah. For the listeners, just on the record, Last Jedi hasn't come out yet. I don't think he's Snoke. I just want him to be Snoke. That's maybe more. This might be a conversation for for another day, but I actually don't think Snoke is a force user. That would be great. Yeah, I know. But, you know, that would be interesting. It would be really cool to see Rebels tied in more concretely to the greater story. There are a couple things you see Chopper in Rogue One. You also see them page Commander, is it Commander General Sindula? Yeah. They page General Sindula in Rogue One over the loudspeaker. So, yeah, spoiler alert, the they ghost. both survive. But also, it's kind of cool seeing the acknowledge. Also, yeah, the ghost is in the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'd be cool to see more of like an ironclad. Like, yeah, recognition. Rec- of them. Exactly. Yeah, I would uh-huh. like that. Um, so, they jump to hyperspace, they get away ooh. after shooting a couple more. TIE fighters and then on board the ghost Ezra and Hera bond a little bit and she mentioned something that I actually didn't realize until second viewing the ghost can scramble its signature so they won't be recognized when they return to Lothal which is cool tech and I didn't realize now I do that's why it's called the ghost because it can change its signature and not be detected yeah. as... And I don't know if they mention it, but they're also known as Spectre. Um, yeah. As Spectres. I, I don't know where that's mentioned. I they, know... That's like their call names, like yeah. Spectre 1, Spectre 2. Yeah, yeah that's what they call each so. other when they're kind of in... Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's all this stuff, which, are, yeah, I think it's really cool, this whole... Yeah, I think it's really cool thematically. Yeah. So, we cut to... Back to Lothal. Some maybe an Imperial base on Lothal? I don't know. Yeah, uh, we go to an Imperial base on Lothal and we meet ISB agent Callus. The Imperial Security Bureau pays attention to patterns. When the Empire's operations are targeted on an ongoing basis, it could signify something more than the theft of a few crates. It could signify the spark of rebellion. So he's going to play a part in later episodes and later parts. But he says that he is part of the Imperial Security Bureau and the incident with the crates has got the eye of the Empire to a greater capacity. He is concerned that this might be the spark of rebellion Mm. and that it needs to be snuffed out before it catches fire. Which I feel like is a... Like a metaphor that's constantly employed in the Star Wars universe. I was huh. just watching something, and they were talking about, you know, oh, it's in the it's in the Last Jedi trailers. They're uh, talking about a spark that turns into a... interesting. I thought this was really cool um, when I heard it. But, no, no, I, yeah. I, I think it's cool. I think it's just uh, just a refrain. It's just used a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, one thing that caught my eye. Spoiler alert: um, the Imperials should have probably known that Agent Callus was going to turn and become a rebel because. Those sideburns are a little wild for an ISB. 
I think they're pretty imperial. I, no, I see. I, I think you're getting confused. The rebels got some bodacious facial hair, including some doesn't, good chops. Doesn't Admiral Mahdi have pretty wicked sideburns? Oh, maybe. I think Mahdi. I'm looking up a picture of him. Mm, I don't know. I guess those aren't those aren't bodacious as, as bodacious as I thought. Um, I feel like anyone who gets past a certain level of bodaciousness should just be locked up as a as a rebel because it's only a matter of time because before they join the rebellion. Yeah. All right. You know, I can't find anything. <laughs> if you look like Van Morrison, you're a rebel. I typed in Imperial officers sideburns. Do you know who does have them? The greatest Imperial officer of them all, Paul, Paul Treatum. <laughs> who I don't think we're going to get a chance to ever talk about on this podcast. Nope. Um, but Paul Treatum has really great sideburns. All right. So let's jump ahead. So we'll, let's keep trucking through. Yep. Um, the next major scene we get to is in a place called Tarkintown. Lived on the fall my whole life. Never been here. The Imperials don't advertise it. Locals call it Tarkin Town. Named for Grand Moff Tarkin, governor of the Outer Rim. He kicked these folks off their farms when the Empire wanted their land. Anybody tried to fight back got arrested for treason. Yeah, it's named after Grand Moff Tarkin, who they identify as the governor of the Outer Rim. I don't think that was ever established in the original trilogy, and I didn't know that was his job. Hmm, well... I guess just from reading uh, a lot of the Star Wars books, I think I've seen that mentioned before. I know that he kind of had a rise to power, and this is yeah. one of them. So his original, when we first meet him, he's a governor. Yes. So he's technically in charge of the Outer Rim. Yes. Um, Interesting. I also think it's really funny in this scene, if you look, when they're walking past all these, like, you know, kind of down and out people, you know, it's very Great Depression yeah. era, obviously. There's just this woman who's just standing, staring at a wall, like, clutching herself. And <laughs> I don't know why I think it's so funny, but it's... it's just, just laughing at her misery. Yeah. Like, you know, yep. in all my success. Um, so half the crew delivers the rifles right to the criminal lord. Yep. Um, Visago. Visago. For, um, you know, some some kashish but instead he offers them intel on where the wookie prisoners are yep and being the noble rebels they are they yep. take the intel above the yep um muni <laughs> yep um so and you would say that they don't say they take only money <laughs> only money <laughs> I'm trying to. I wanted to work that in so bad. <laughs> it's no good around here. Only money. Um, no, but there are some really interesting. Um, I don't want to call them aliens because they're not aliens. Just creatures that aren't humans. Yep. We've got you know a Greedo who's speaking basic. A you know a Rodian. Yep. Which is always weird to me, and I don't know that I like Rodians speaking basic. Because Greedo doesn't speak basic in A New Hope, and I really like that. And I understand this is a kids show. So they have to limit the amount of subtitle use. But I want my Rodians speaking their native language. It seems racist. You know, the Rodians can be what they want to be. I just don't like when... They can branch out. They can learn many languages. It's good. the box. I've put them in in my mind. <laughs> it's very All jarring right. to my world. All right. All right. I like my Rodians speaking their native language. Yep. You know? All right. So back on the ghost... 
Ezra returns to the ghost and follows a weird feeling. Ooh, force feeling number three. Yep. It leads him to a bunk. Under the bunk, he mm-hmm. finds a holocron and a lightsaber. Have we ever seen holocrons before? In Clone Wars. In Clone Wars, we have. Yep. There we go. In video games. In video games. Don't remember which ones, but we have seen if so, them in If video you've games. not watched the Clone Wars, if you've only watched the movies, you've not seen a holocron. I believe that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should address this right now. Yeah. You might be hearing some background noise. There is a choir practicing next door to where we're recording this. Yeah, we had this room booked and didn't know that a choir was going to be practicing, so we apologize. I will say I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so there's a holocron and a lightsaber. He goes in, he finds it, and he turns it on. Yep. Again, another really cool ode to the original series. The lightsaber is kind of thin and weak. Um, I think that there might be something to that in universe. I've heard theories about how the force energy in the Kyber crystal is weaker because there's less Jedi, but it's distinctly a different look between the original trilogy and the prequels. Some nice fat lightsabers in the <laughs> Do you know what? You might be surprised to know this because I was uh, looking at a chart of lightsabers the other day. I am not surprised. Um, you're not surprised about that. Yeah. You may be surprised to learn that Qui Gon Jinn had kind of a small lightsaber. <laughs> it was a little short. On the list of lightsabers, his it was girthy, but it was definitely not. <laughs> and I just I don't know. I just found that interesting. He didn't strict. I mean, he's. I know he's a humble dude, but. I didn't see that Very coming. interesting. So anyways, Ezra lights up this lightsaber and he and Kanan walks in and Ezra says, you won't believe it, but it's like this thing wanted me to take it. I'm calling BS on that. That's what every thief says. <laughs> um, and Kanan makes Ezra give the lightsaber back. But Ezra pockets the holocron. And I have to ask the question, is Kanan letting him take this holocron on purpose? Gonna say yes, because right after he takes it, we there's a shot of Ezra walking outside thinking, yeah, he's so clever, and he like flips the holocron up, got yeah. this thing, and then it goes back to a shot of Kanan and Hera, and Kanan says, well, now we'll see, inferring he let him keep it. Well, maybe we should have it. Maybe we should have a in podcast meeting right now, but are we going to? So they talk about that in part two. But should we pretend we don't know anything past this episode? I don't think we have to. I don't think we have to pretend we don't know. I'm just talking. I just wanted to come at it from a moment by moment basis. Okay. So at this point, I think you're right. Um, Yes. So we also hear Chopper talk for the first time. I love Chopper's voice. It's a little controversial. Yeah, I like it. I think it's cool. I think it's fairly warbly. I yeah. think that's how I'd say it. Do you know who does Chopper's voice? Um, I'm going to say Vin Diesel. <laughs> 
Not Vin Diesel, but close. Who is it? Dave Filoni, the creator of Rebels and Star Wars. There you uh, go. Co-creator of... Well... Not co-creator of Clone Wars and creator of Rebels. He well, didn't create Star Wars. That was close. Yep. But kind of cool trivia. Um, so... So we hear Chopper's voice, and then we see Ezra hearing the plan to rescue the Wookiees. We have a new mission. Vizago acquired the flight plan for an Imperial transport ship full of Wookiee prisoners. Most of these Wookiees were soldiers for the Old Republic. Oh, those hairy beasts. They saved some of my people. Mine too. If we're going to save them, we've got a tight window. They've been taken to an unknown slave labor camp. If we don't intercept this ship, we'll never find them. Um, and Ezra, I mean, Hera is put on babysitting duty, right? Hera will look after Ezra. Yep. They have to go rescue some Wookiees, but they can't stop and drop them off on Lothal. So they're going to babysit Ezra. So they approach this transport, which is supposedly carrying these Wookiee slaves. Imperial transport 651. Yep. Uh, this is another very Star Wars thing, but Hera impersonates yeah. someone over the loudspeaker saying, we've got a bounty. We've got some extra Wookiees that we caught that we want to put into slavery. Imperial transport 651. This is Starbird coming inbound. State your business. Bounty. We captured an additional Wookiee prisoner and have transfer orders to place him with you. We have no such orders. That's fine. We already got paid by Governor Tarkin. If you don't want the oversized Monong, I'll jettison here. Let you explain to your superiors why the Empire has one less slave. Already used the trick. Orders of Oh no, they used Tarkin. the trick first. Yeah. Han Hans stole from them. Yep. Han shot second. <laughs> so they go up the starship, the transport lets them board so that they can put they can turn over their Wookiee prisoner and they come up with a great plan. That thing's not a Wookiee. Haven't you ever seen a rare hairless Wookiee before? Oh, forget it. Zav is in handcuffs and Kanan and Sabine are trying to pass them off. And the dude says, wait, that doesn't look like a Wookiee. And they say, haven't you ever seen a hairless Wookiee before? Have you ever seen a hairless Wookiee? I, I didn't know Which, if we were, we were doing a roleplay thing. Yeah. Haven't you ever seen a hairless Wookiee before? <laughs> Which, by the way, is Zab even hairless? He looks hairy to me. He doesn't... Yeah, he clearly has hair on the top of his head. Well, I'm talking about, like, just... I always just thought he had fur. Like, his arms mm, and stuff. Like, he, he was looks a fur-based animal instead see, of a skin-based... He amphibian to me. Huh, interesting. Slick. What's he feel like? Uh, probably like a... Dolphin? Rubbermaid glove? <laughs> Is what I would guess. Okay. I don't know. Probably better to climb up walls. All right. Um, um, also, I want to... Oh, I guess we do get to talk about pole treat him again. R.I.P. Yep. If you remember when Han Solo pulled this move in uh, on the Death Star, we had Paul treat him say, TK421, why aren't you at your post? Yeah. And then uh, they, they murdered him. <laughs> um, also, interesting, TK421 has his own short story. In uh, a certain point of view, the new newest Star Wars mm-hmm. book. Do you remember that? Uh huh. Um, TK four two one apparently was in a romantic relationship with with Tarkin. With Tarkin. Yeah. Which I'm okay with. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? It's actually a kind of fun story. I didn't know what was going on for a while, but it's told from the 
point of view of a mouse droid. Yes, exactly. Which was actually a little annoying because it kept like the way you would read it, it would like tell you the times the mouse droid would report. Yeah, so it'd be like I thought it was at 30 cool. seconds and then I don't know. But I mean, it was, yeah. it's a good story. Yeah. But TK421 and Grand Moff Tarkin. If you didn't know, they had a little, um, a burgeoning romance. It was never, never came to fruition, yep. sadly. Hmm. Uh, TK421 was murdered. Yep. What a murder. Yep. I just want to call it what it is. I don't want to use euphemisms anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got to grow up sometime. Sometime. So um, speaking of a certain point of view, this brings up another point that I think has been brought up a lot. So Zeb, after the hairless Wookiee ploy fails, he... One punch punches two stormtroopers and knocks them out, even though they're wearing helmets. Yeah, it's called a combo in pool. These helmets look flimsy, but there's a specific chapter where they're trying to capture Princess Leia, and Princess Leia shoots a stormtrooper in this book. And another stormtrooper who's telling the story from his point of view is shocked. Yeah. Because the armor is supposed to dissipate blaster bolts. Supposed to. Do you think that. Either is Leia a great shot and she just hit, hit hit him at the right point and Han's a great shot and all these other people are great shots. So that's why stormtroopers are f- dropping like flies throughout the series. Or is the Empire skimping on these armor and making them weak and telling the troopers that it'll dissipate blaster fire so that they are less fearful when they go into battle? I think it's like making your kid a Halloween costume out of cardboard and telling him it's bulletproof. It gives him all the confidence in the world, yep. but will not hold up. Yeah, and then when your kid gets shot. <laughs> oh, my God, it's dark. Yeah, but other than Empire doesn't care. So, yeah, I, I just think it's crap armor. Okay. I thought that was interesting. So, in closing, this is where the episode, the first part of the episode ends. We're back on the ghosts, and it has become clear that this is a trap. This is a little too easy. And so Hera tells Ezra he needs to go and tell, warn the rest of the crew. You need to board the transport and warn them. What? Why don't you do it? I need to be ready to take off or none of us stands a chance. No, no way. Why would I risk my life for a bunch of strangers? Because Kanan risked his for you. If all you do is fight for your own life, then your life is worth nothing. They need you, Ezra. They need you right now. What? So I don't want to risk my life. I don't want to risk my life for a bunch of strangers, he says. Yep. And then, uh, but it's because Kanan risked his for you. If all you do is fight for your own life, then your life is worth nothing. They need you, Ezra. Yep. They need you right now. Then it fades to black. I wonder what he will do. Wrong song. Oh, that's not. Great reference. Wrong song. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So as we go through this, we're going to use this as a springboard to talk about cool things in the Star Wars universe, greater connections, history. So I am going to start by a history lesson Mm. of Lothal. Let's hear it. Cool. So Lothal is a planet in the Outer Rim Territories. Due to economic disrepair caused by drought and plague, the Mm. Empire was invited to set up shop with the promise of prosperity and security. Sure, the Nazis were invited too. Well, so this is kind of interesting. So there's a story 
Um, it wasn't Bloodlines. It was, uh, what was the other oh, Claudia Gray uh, book? Lost Stars? Yeah, Lost Stars. Claudia Gray. So good. She is really good. Yeah. So Probably my favorite, one of my two or three favorite Star Wars writers right now. Yeah. Um, so it reminds me of a planet in Lost Stars that's kind of similar to Lothal uh, called yeah. Jellucon, yep. which is an independent planet until... And there's kind of, there's a lot of disparity. There's a really rich class, a really poor class. And the Jellucanians, yeah, sure. they uh, they invited the Empire yeah. onto the planet because the, the rich people thought it would bring them status and connections and political power. And the poor people just needed jobs. Yeah. So historically, the Outer Rim has been... Is Jellucan in the Outer Rim? Yep. They're okay. both Outer Rim planets. And so... Historically, the Empire thinks they control the Outer Rim. It's the largest part of the universe. It's on the Outer Rim of the universe. There you go. Um, But it's kind of like the Wild West. So that's why like Tatooine is really controlled by the Huts. Yeah. Technically, we learn in this that Tarkin is the governor of the Outer Rim. It's like Sacramento. Yeah, exactly. Like really lawless. No one controls it. Mm -hmm. You know, just like Sacramento. So, the core worlds, they keep making these, like, they try to bring the Outer Rim under control. They keep making these these treks out there to try to get them under control, but it's just so hard. And so, when an opportunity like this comes up where the economy of Lothal is so hurt and in disrepair, they actually invite the Empire onto their planet then the Empire is stoked because they don't have to fight. They don't have to go to war. They're just kind of like welcomed on. And so they're welcomed on because they are promised jobs, prosperity. There's a lot of minerals that are in the core of Lothal. So that's why the Empire wants them. There's a lot of wide open space. So they end up building a bunch of golf courses, (laughs) golf courses, Luxury hotels, Trump Tower. What? So they they end up bringing doing actually a, like weapons factories and fleet yards because it's so wide mm. open that they can test all these secret weapons away from prying eyes, and also they can build huge ships there because there's all this open space, so it won't be a problem. And then, like I said, there's a ton of minerals in there, so they start doing some hardcore mining, including mining for kyber crystals. On Lothal. Yep. Did they find kyber crystals on Lothal? They find a lot of them. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. It's like, where can you not find kyber crystals these days? Tatooine, probably. Tatooine. Coruscant. Kazook. Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk. Yavin. Yeah. So they came and they started doing the mining. They started building all these weapons factories and shock the empire lied to them. So their people were a little more than slaves. Thanks. Will Huff. (laughs) Will Huff. They, uh, they, they're a little more than slaves. They're not getting paid much more. Their economy is still crumbling and now their environment is being destroyed by this mining. All these factories are polluting. Sounds like an inconvenient truth. Hashtag topical. And they are super bummed. So that's how these rebel cells, their independent rebel cells, they start springing up. 
there's actually a protest, a peaceful protest on Lothal. And the governor, well, there was a rightful governor of Lothal. And then when the empire comes in, they kick him out. Get out of here. Send him to jail. Yeah. Say he's committed treason, which, yeah, we've heard that one before. (laughs) So he's committed treason, put him in jail. Then they install a imperial governor. And then there's protests. And the empire just kills all these peaceful protests. So from there, the peaceful protesters become rebels. So they're an independent rebel cell. And that is where our ghost crew comes in. Lothal rebels. Yep. So behind the scenes, um, there was some pretty cool stuff. Uh, the Lothal landscape was based directly on Ralph McQuarrie paintings of Alderaan hmm. that were never used. We don't see Alderaan in the original series, so they reuse them for Lothal. And according to Simon Kimber, who's one of the producers, um, it's directly ripped from the paintings, hmm. um, which I thought was pretty cool. I love Ralph McQuarrie's stuff. There was also a little bit of guerrilla marketing before the first episode came out. So here you pull up, pull this up. Um, it's Sinear Fleet Systems, S-I-E-N-A-R, fleetsystems.com. Ooh. So that's the name like of one of the fleet shipyards that was put on Lothal. And you'll be directed to a pro-Empire propaganda poster. And it's advertising the Sinear Ship Factory. And on the poster, it's been vandalized. Yeah. So this website is nothing but just this image that's been vandalized with pro-rebel graffiti, most notably Sabine's, oh, Sabine. Sabine's Phoenix logo. Yeah, I love that. Right, and it's pretty her, cool, huh? And this is a kind of interesting... I don't want to get too deep into Sabine, but this is a logo fairly unique to her. Yeah, it's well, it's cool because it's... It's almost Mandalorian. It's yeah. Not quite. But it's also very clearly... Like, I wonder if it was a precursor to the Rebel Alliance. Because mm, technically this it only, yeah, it takes gets, place before the Rebel yes. Alliance, but her Phoenix logo is kind of the same shape, just tilted yeah, a little no, bit. Right? Yeah, it is. It, yeah. It's like a cool mix between Phoenix Squadron and the Rebel Alliance. So yeah. I wonder if like Mon Mothma was like, hey, who do we know that does graphic design work? <laughs> I do. I started in my yeah. undergraduate. Yeah, and so, that's, that's Sabine. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> she she fired up her Photoshop and made the Rebel Alliance logo. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I really like that. Well, I got yeah. a new computer background. So check that out if you're at home. It's pretty dope. Well, thanks, Peter, for your uh, your history lesson. You're um, welcome. I was hoping to respond in kind. With a little character portrait. Sure. Of our one and only Ezra Bridger. So I wanted to tell you some things about him that I found really interesting. And if you don't know these, this will be a great, uh, it was a great surprise for me. But yeah. Ezra is our main character, right? I he, did not know that. Well, there it is. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, Ezra, our main character, he's the vessel with which we are right digesting this world uh-huh. and it's kind of a classic right use of someone who's ne- who's new to the world so as we enter the world it's new to us as well and we kind of experience their same awe so Ezra is a force sensitive basic speaking human 
He was born in the year 3258 LY. That's LY is the Lothal calendar year. Huh. In BBY, which is what most of the universe goes for, and this is before the Battle of Yavin, right? Uh-huh. Before the Death Star was destroyed. You would be interesting to know, it's interesting to know that this translates to 19 BBY, which for anyone, this might be ringing some bells, that's the same year that Luke and Leia were born. Okay. He's the same age as Luke and Leia. Not only that, he was born just two days before Luke and Leia. So he's two days older than Luke and Leia. And if you think that's not a coincidence, it gets it goes even deeper. Okay. Two days before Luke and Leia were born was the day of Order 66. Uh-huh. So he's born on the day of Order 66, which is also known as the inception of the Galactic Empire, or as the Empire knows it, Empire Day. So the Empire's crowning holiday huh. is called Empire Day. It's when they were formed and created. It's the thing they celebrate. It's also the day Ezra was born. And at first, I really didn't like this because this just seems like such a coincidence, like too coincidental, right? Uh-huh. And it made me think of uh, Henry David Thoreau for a second because he begins his... You know, like, I know what you mean by that, but like, why don't, why don't you just like let, let our listeners know what you mean by that? Okay, sure. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, because I obviously know. Because you know. Yeah, I know. So Thoreau began his experiment at Walden Pond on July 4th, 1884. Mm-hmm. July 4th, right? This great yeah. American... Ex- it's just the American holiday, yeah. and he begins the great American experiment on July 4th. He didn't really. He just wrote that. Uh-huh. So it would have more meaning and, you know, you could, the, the, the day is pregnant with meaning <laughs> folks. Um, and it's kind of like the day Ezra was born. And at first I really, that irked me. I didn't like it, uh-huh. but something I always go back to when I think about when people coin, complain, like there's too many coincidences, like everyone in the universe knows each other. Like, Oh, everyone like is a force user or is related somehow. And it's like, well, those are what great stories are. There's, there's something more than just coincidence happening in great stories. There's connections. A story wouldn't be worth telling if there nothing was connected and there was no coincidences. And this is all a fictitious place anyway. So calm down people. But so Ezra is born on empire day. He grew up on the planet of Lothal, as we know, which is in the Outer Rim, and he's hoping to make the galaxy a better place. His parents are hoping to make the galaxy a better place for him. His parents' names are Mira and Epiphan Bridger, and they are not around anymore. You know, Ezra is an orphan. I knew an Epiphan. You did? Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I don't believe you. Uh, yeah, it was uh, by milk lady. Okay, shut up. You're my chain. So his parents, they set up a broadcasting transmissions to speak out against the Empire. So they had an underground radio, basically. Um, and this was in 14 BBY. Mm-hmm. So around the time Ezra was five. Um, but it cost them their life. And by 12 BBY, his parents were found and taken away by the Empire, leaving Ezra to live largely on his own for the next eight years. Let me guess. They were accused of treason. I mean, probably. That's the catch-all. Yeah. So Ezra found work as a con artist, as a thief. He had to make do on Lothal. And you can actually read some books about his earlier life. Um, there's a journal. There is a young, it's a junior novel, which, you know, I'm an adult. <laughs> I digest literature. So I'm not going to read it. I probably will read it. 
I actually just ordered it, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So I'll, I'll tell you more about it. Cool. Um, but in, before all this happens, uh, before the first episode of Rebels, he's actually already intermingling quite a bit with other characters in the universe. Like I told you, he lives in an abandoned Lothal net comm tower where he keeps his collection of stormtrooper helmets. Mm-hmm. And uh, he finds his way in some tight... You know, he's a Lothal rat. He does street rat. He does he does hood rat stuff. Just does hood rat stuff with his friends. <laughs> like smoking cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, in the most interesting kind of connection is he he uh, teams up with a, uh, a bounty hunter named Bosk mm. at one point who uh, has a brief appearance in the Empire Strike Back, but is one of the most infamous bounty hunters. He's actually... Next to Dengar, probably my favorite. And did you, did you watch Clone Wars? Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. Boba Fett remember when Boba mm-hmm. Fett was little kid? Boba Fett ran Django. with a, oh little kid Boba yeah ran with a bunch of like like no that was that was Jango Fett no little, oh yeah 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 Jango Fett was his he dad. ran with Boba Dengar Fett. yes he did and IG eighty eight yeah was Bosk in that crew yes ooh and uh, Cad Bane interesting I think no maybe not Arasing. What's yes, and that small thing. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know what it's called. Yeah, yeah so Bosk cool. and Ezra have some adventures. Uh, Ezra famously uses one of the line, I hate to say so, Mr. Bosk, but I have a bad feeling about this. <sighs> really glad that's not in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to pick up those books, though, Star Wars Rebels, uh, a journal by Ezra B- uh, Bridger is a little cool journal of his life and also in Ezra's Gamble. That's the junior book that I have on order. Um, you can see some of this, these adventures of him and his life. Um, but yeah, so there are some interesting facts about uh, Ezra and where he comes from. Cool. Thank you. Also, yeah, one more thing. Uh-huh. His little energy slingshot. I don't like that thing. I don't like that thing either. All right, thanks for listening to the inaugural flight of Rebels Rebels. We're a new podcast, so please tell your friends and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite pod aggregator. Connect with us on social media by searching Rebels Rebels Pod on Facebook or Instagram, or shoot any questions or comments to rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com. Yeah, special thanks, by the way, and shout out to Matt from Sore Thumb. It's a cool band for playing keys on our theme music, which our uh, my co-host Peter and Matt made together. You can find oh, their music. Yeah, they're good. Blush. You can find his band, him and Matt's band, Sore Thumb Band, uh, SoreThumbBand.com. Uh, they're pretty cool. Cool. And please leave us a review. It would really, really help. Yeah. And then uh, until next time, folks, be brave out there and don't look back. Don't look back. Peace.